0: Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course that makes this episode 7 of Circles and Squares, a PlayStation podcast where we release um, every other Monday to talk about PlayStation games news and, you know, whatever else we feel like talking about and Kate, can you believe it's been two weeks already, give or take, since the PS5 reveal?
1: I know, I can't believe it. It's been such a busy two weeks, too, with all the other shows going on.
0: It it feels kind of like E3, right? It's just a little bit more discombobulated. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's pseudo E3, right? Because I think a lot of the presentations are sort of in place of what would have been a traditional Mm -hmm. E3, and in a lot of ways, it's a shame not to get that. But in some ways, as someone who would just be viewing it all online anyway, it's kind of... I feel like there's almost more content than we would have gotten. I think so,
0: too. Like, have you been trying to watch like all of it
1: I have I have been I've watched I think Pretty much everything that's come out so far, although I will admit some of it's kind of been like at sped up speed or like yeah. sort of tab through things that maybe weren't for me just because like it's possible to like that's find I the feel. time. Like,
0: I find that like it's overwhelming. Like it, it seems yeah. like I've been doing my best. I watched the Gorilla Collective um, mm-hmm. stream and I've watched like obviously the really big ones. I watched the highlights from the EA event on the weekend. Yeah. But it's just like, man, there, it seems like every day there's something going on and it's because there's not like one unified kind of time slot for it all i find that it's it's almost hard to keep track yeah
1: and i found a lot of the things too is like there was a lot of overlap with with i found like some Mm -hmm. games i saw in three different conferences right i mean
0: that happens at e3 as well yeah
1: which was and it was nice because it was sort of maybe a different take or one would be a trailer and then the next conference would have it like an actual chat with a developer or something so it was quite nice but it, it also contributes to like a very large amount of time to actually watch through everything.
0: Totally right. That's why I think usually I often just get my highlights later if you want to call them that from like, you know, on Twitter, like, hey, these are the best announcements from this or like, you know, read a recap or something. But I don't know. It's nice. I miss like the big... You know, day long presentation things like yeah. this. Is the, you know, we got Sony this day, Microsoft this day, EA going like Ubisoft, like all that stuff. I just missed like the unified nature. Of yeah, what it was before. you're right.
1: And I and while I did watch a few things live, like obviously the PlayStation event, mm-hmm. I watched live, and I watched the Guerrilla Collective live as well because there was a few things uh, on there I knew I was anticipating, um, which we might get to later. Um, but most of them I I kind of watch like after the fact, yeah. which is unusual because. Uh, normally at E3 I make the time to always sit down live and like you're kind of like part of the crowd oh, yeah. in a way whereas like with this one I'm like there's so much going on like I'll watch it when I work out or like when I have time to sit down and like while I'm eating tomorrow or something so yeah I yeah. hear you
0: well Kate let's get the show started uh, today of course we're going to start off by talking about the games we've been playing uh, including our PS Plus selections from the new segment we started last show um, after that, we'll get into a bit of a lighter news week compared to the last few, of course, with the PS5 <laughs> reveal. You ain't going to top that. Um, and then for our last segment today, we're going to be getting into some of those games we're looking forward to the most that we've seen in in the, you know, the conferences recently and even some stuff, I guess, from before that as well. Just the stuff we're looking forward to most that's not yet out. So, yeah, let's get into it. Kate, what you been playing?
1: Okay, well, would you like the good news or the bad news first
0: (laughs) i mean get the bad news out of the way right
1: all right um so for my ps plus fun this uh this last week i like an idiot chose for myself star wars battlefront 2 uh and i will say that it's not for me i Uh i had a bit of novelty fun with it it wasn't all horrible but i i think and i this is a game i almost like enjoyed from like an analytical standpoint because going into it obviously the main thing i, I knew about it was like some of the older games mm-hmm. which i remember On the, rent- the ps2
0: version was so much fun yeah
1: and i remember renting it as a kid and, and loving it so i mean i had that that aspect and then the other contextual part was all the controversy when it came out with their horrible loot box system and they're yeah. really like money grabby and uh, how you whole. could
0: only get darth vader in like the smallest percentage chance loot box would you spend hundreds of dollars and- yeah
1: exactly so I, I will say like to their credit they've really fixed that aspect of the game all of the heroes are just available for you to play which is obviously the main draw of this game is that it is a shooter but as you play, you, like, accumulate points, and then with those points, you can purchase the really exciting heroes like Darth Vader and, like, Kylo Ren and, like, Luke. So you have some of is the Mason older... Is in there? Um, I don't know. He should be. He better be. He should be because he's cool. And he has the purple lightsaber, which is the D- coolest damn right lightsaber. Damn lightsaber. Um, but I don't know. I, I, to, I will say I played maybe about two hours of the game, so I didn't get to experience... It's all little, that it has ta- to offer um but a little taste test so they fix that you can use all the characters they're all available and it gets you going right off the start you do still have loot boxes but they're just cosmetic stuff so that's mm, perfectly... which is like totally standard it's yeah, totally right? acceptable i think that's great if you want to you know add to that sure but overall i would say that the game just it didn't have a level of polish that really i was expecting from it and also i just feel like the the con the core concepts of the game sort of like almost contradict themselves, and it it felt I've never played a multiplayer game that felt like a single player game.
0: You got to explain. So on I'll that. get into
1: that. So I'm interested. I played a little bit of the campaign, and I also played some online multiplayer. So the main campaign, I played a couple missions, and it was whatever decent. You had some shooting, you had some story. There was a lot of Dialogue that I think is really cool. If you're a big Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. there was tons of name drops and tons of like referencing of planets and characters and things that I'm sure a big Star Wars right, fan which would, would have meant. Like, yeah, very little
0: to someone who's not as into. It.
1: I'm sure is very exciting, but I'm a very surface level Star Wars fan. I've seen all the movies, but I don't really dive into it any further than that. So for me, it almost became a negative thing because it just felt like I was being bombarded with like. A story that meant nothing to right. me. Right, it's
0: like you're finding these Easter eggs, but you don't understand like what yeah, they are. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like I would have rather had like a story that maybe a little more generic, but like meant something mm-hmm. versus like here are these six planets that what we're gonna do next have yeah, some sort yeah. of like interaction with. But it's like, well, we're not on those planets. What is that planet? I don't know where I am.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't no, like, where I am?
1: Help! And then there was, and I think I will preface this by saying I've been playing some very very good games lately. Like, I beat Persona 5. I'm currently playing God of War. Maybe my standard's a little bit high right now. But, like, the game was kind of buggy in a weird way. Like, some of the enemies, like, got stuck on their cover and, like, like, flew on top of it and then back under and, like, flipped around funny. And then the enemy... AI is really funny in their detection so there's like a little bit of stealth in the main story and they're just absolutely useless like there's a section on the second level where you walk up to like this crate and those are the mechanic that let you like change your loadout. so I walked over to this crate and you have a couple allies with you on the mission and there was a guy standing beside the crate so I assumed he was my ally. (laughs) And it turns out he wasn't. But I, like, dicked around at the crate, like, swapped out for a sniper and, like, you know, was, like, testing out the scope and doing all these things and, like, basically just kind of wandering around in front of him. And then, okay, I'm ready. So I go to snipe an enemy, like, quite far away. And the second I hit that, the guy who's been standing beside me this whole time, aggros and starts shooting me. And I realized he was not my friend. <laughs> but I just, but then afterwards, and it was kind of a funny, memorable moment. But then afterwards, I thought to myself, like, what the hell is he doing this whole time? Like, that wouldn't show up in a lot of other games. So, yeah, whatever. That was the main story. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot more to it. I think you get into sections where you, like, fly some of the spaceships and stuff which that's, seems cool that's always the aspect of the, um, the
0: older games that i like the most and i'm actually like not to get you too off track but i'm looking forward to that new star wars rogue squadron game that was yeah. like that looks like way more my jam that than game looks like this.
1: really really interesting so I, I think maybe hold up i would hold up for that one over this but um getting to the multiplayer section which i think is probably the, the meat and potatoes of a game like this um it's sort of done in two sections where you first start out and you are like a regular soldier, you have a couple different class types mm-hmm. that give you slightly different abilities or different guns and loadouts. But it's you know it's like a, a kind of like a regular shooter at that point. And I will say like the gunplay feels nice. the All the lasers have a nice like pew 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 yeah. sound and like good sound effects. Yeah, the sound design is really good and like they have a nice weight to them and like the shooting is is perfectly you know like adequate. Like I had a good time with that point but then you get to the heroes which is sort of what you work towards the whole time and the main draw of this game and they're a fun novelty to get to play but they sort of ruin the aspect of a shooter and it's so bizarre because they're so grossly overpowered compared to your regular characters that like you just sort of break the game and it feels like you're playing against an NPC when you're playing Even as one if of them. Real people. Because yeah, you're playing against real people. I think it was the mode I played was 40 versus 40, but like all of the people I played against, all of the enemies when I was one of these heroes felt like an NPC because you just one-shot them with everything you do, right? Like mm-hmm. I played as Kylo Ren a little bit and you just your lightsaber kills them in one hit or you force choke them from like two states away and like, yeah, yeah. And like <laughs> so, there's nothing they can do you're just some big like you're behemoth it's this, this
0: like temporary power fantasy where you can just yeah destroy guys and
1: exactly i felt like i was playing a dynasty warriors game all what, of a sudden what happens and i was if just you
0: encounter another person using look, a hero. that's
1: the thing i think that would be the really cool part of the game but the problem is is you only have four heroes that you can be for each team and only one person can have it at a time. So you can have no more than four heroes on either side. And there's 40 people in these levels, which are all really big and and quite beautiful, I will add. Um, So I never ran into another hero while I was a hero. So I'm sure that's like a cool aspect of the game. And maybe if you're playing like more seriously and like, you know, like coordinated with your team, like you might play around that a little more, but just as a casual thing, I never yeah, had it's, that situation. Yeah, it's like situation. your first impression
0: experience as someone just popping in. Yeah. yeah,
1: it never happened. Um The only time I ever ran into heroes was when I was a regular soldier and I would shoot them for like, you know, however yeah, long until they, until they noticed me, turned around and killed me. So the only time, Jeez. so like it feels again, like there's not really a lot of like interaction between mm-hmm. the two sides of the game which is strange for a multiplayer game
0: yeah i guess the, i guess on the one hand they want to give you the the power fantasy of being those yeah. characters right but it seems like from what you say which i i mean i take your word for it it seems like they could have <laughs> balanced it a little differently yeah and
1: i i think it's intentional right like like you said, it is a power fantasy thing and it's exciting when you're like, I have enough points I've unlocked, like Han Solo or whoever you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, Especially that, if you're
0: a big Star Wars fan and you yeah, love these characters. Exactly,
1: like that is cool. But it just seemed to me like, like maybe that would have been better in, a, in a, like a single player, like story campaign, I don't know. Like I think it's very much one of those games where like it's just supposed to be action, go, go, go all the time. Like there's very little downtime between when you die and when you respawn. And even when you do respawn, you can respawn like, on top of one of your teammates so it just puts you right back in the action instead of like spawn point and you run back back, so i think i think i can understand maybe it appealing to someone who just wants to like you know get in there and oh it's crazy and i did all this cool Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. jedi stuff and like that's totally fine but i think i went into it with the expectation of like oh it's a multiplayer shooter and like that was not really what i was getting into (laughs) um so i think i think the game definitely had its moments and it was like a fun novelty to play but overall i i wouldn't say it's it's a game that i would it will, you well, know stick around yeah, with well,
0: thank god i was on ps plus you got um
1: but yeah i play every game on ps plus i've got a shout out that bb8 is the best character in the game like he's so tiny and he has a move where he just goes really fast and he you do extra damage when you run into someone. So you just sort of like press your speed button and then you like go knock someone in the ankles as if you're like the most intense razor scooter. <laughs> like, and, like, you hit them in the ankle and they just go flying and die. So I did like that, that for an hour of play. Don't think I'd like that for a hundred hours of play. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was Star Wars. How was Call of Duty?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I played... Um... God, you know what? This wasn't it either, man. This, <laughs> this game wasn't it either, I will say. You know
1: what? To be fair, I don't think either of us are huge shooter. No, I mean, either, I mean, I g- so... I can get into
0: a shooter here and there, like especially mm-hmm. if it's a really well done one. Like I've enjoyed mm-hmm. some of the Call of Duty games in the past and, yeah. and like Destiny, I played the first one, even like a little bit of a different experience and whatever. But um, yeah, so Call of Duty World War II. I got to say off the front, like I just, maybe similar to you with Star Wars, like you're not a big Star Wars person. I'm not really a big like, like, realistic military, like, World right. War II. Like, some people love the World War II movies and, like, Medal of Honor and, like, mm-hmm. and like these Saving Private Ryan and all these type of, I mean, I don't even know if that's World War II, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. But, like, the point is some people really like these, like, realistic, grounded, military right. setting army guy things, right? And that's really not my style. So, like, going into this, I already kind of was maybe preconditioned to be like, oh, I hope the game feels fun to play because I'm not interested in the setting at all. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's fine, it's the kind of thing where, I mean, you said the guns felt really good in Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, that's not the experience I got here. And the problem okay. with this is I think that Call of Duty is so iterative. Like it comes out every year yes. and always is, I would like to think, improving on itself, right, as a series. Like someone, I, I haven't seriously played of Call of Duty in a long time, but like I've dropped into Warzone a little bit and, and like seen little bits and snippets here and there. And I feel like mm-hmm. every time you play a newer one, somehow they just make it feel a little bit more clean than the rest in terms of right. like controls and so jumping back into this one this is from 2017 and that three-year gap I found like it just felt really dated like to me it felt close to like a ps3 kind of control feeling than it Ooh, does to, like a modern one I, I don't know if that's like harsh or something <laughs> but but like that's the feeling I got and I just I don't know I, I wasn't drawn in by that or the campaign like the campaign starts off and you're storming um Normandy Beach like just it's like an iconic World War Two thing right and to, like that was actually really intense like you're on this boat. There's some like flashback type of cutscenes about your guy going through like military training, and then you're on this boat, and it's actually like quite intimidating. It's it is scary though. Like there's planes going over top. Like you feel right. like you're in a lot of danger, and there's these guys you're huddled in with. Like it gives you a really good sense of like, well, not a good sense. Obviously, you no one's <laughs> going to have a good sense of what world war ii felt yeah. like but and like, you
1: maybe almost don't want that in your, no, no, to keep in your like, living room of course
0: of course but but i mean in terms of like what a video game can <laughs> right. portray i feel like they did yeah they took a good job of maybe replicating did. the feeling of what they can do in this context right mm-hmm. and so like that was kind of cool like storm the beach i got blown up by a gatling gun and like bombed a bunch of times and i died and and like eventually i figured that out and then i just kind of went through the first um the first level and i and you're going through trenches killing guys you know it's it's Whatever you expect a World War II shooter to look like and like mm-hmm. play like, that's what it was. The cool part I will point out that I actually quite liked the game for was they had this thing. I guess they're trying to build up like the the idea that while you're at war, you would make comrades, like your your squad mates, or your platoon mates, would become like mm-hmm. your brothers, right? Like brothers in, right. during the war. And they they had these cool moments throughout some of the campaign levels where you there'll be a guy who's in trouble in your platoon, and if you if you happen to kill the guy who's, like, attacking him quick enough, then that guy will be like, oh, thank you so much. And they they actually, they're called performing heroic actions. Okay. And if you perform that, you can actually gather friends within your squad, and then those guys start helping you out. Like, they'll toss oh, okay. you a med kit here and there. They'll, like, hand you some ammo okay. or something. Okay, that's and so, interesting. So it's sort of yeah.
1: like a like a... Your reward, but at the same time, kind of giving it an extra bit of like personality to these characters. Yeah, right. And, and I
0: mean, if you miss it, the guy just dies like anyone else, like in one of the hundreds of NPCs on your on your side. But if the if right. you survive, they survive, and you end up saving them, then they they give you these little bonuses. I thought that's pretty cool. Like it gives them they're like a named character also as well. So okay. so like you just a little bit more personality, right? But yeah, kind of so gives kinda you kinda an cool.
1: emotional investment. To the game yeah a little bit yeah more.
0: totally so i mean that was pretty cool didn't go too much further in the campaign other than like the very like little first little bit but i think i saw w- what the game was about to be honest like the, the guns were just super generic it didn't give me a reason to go back into it because i'm not interested in that storyline right
1: so. I, I guess like some people would like would maybe be excited about oh, the yeah. guns because they're excited about like that era and seeing like some of those th- you know those things yeah like, recreated but then i guess if you're not really That doesn't really appeal much to you, then they're sort of just generic guns because like they can't do anything interesting with them because they have to be time.
0: That's right, and that's why I think some of the newer shooters, like like a Destiny, is an example. Like that's probably the last shooter that I played a lot of, and I Mm -hmm. really liked that game because the weapons were like cool and and like modern. They had these cool features, but going back to World War Two, unless you're like either really big into Call of Duty or you're really big into World War Two and like the retro guns and retro stuff, like it just it's just so normal. We've seen these guns a hundred times in a hundred different shooters by this time, you know. And so, yeah, kind of left me that impression. The there other mode in this game, which I did play as well, was um, there's a Nazi zombies mode where you get attacked by oh, okay, Nazi yeah. zombies. That's
1: a, a classic um, feature it's now. It's classic,
0: going. yeah. So I played that mode. I had a lot more fun in that mode. Um, I played it by myself, unfortunately, mm. because I just didn't feel like squatting up online with some random people who probably are level 200 at this point if they're still playing a game from 2017. And I'm like <laughs> just starting. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll just play by myself, see how it goes. Cool mode. Like you're in this little... Like I, I think it was an English village. My, I don't exactly know where it was, but like there's brick houses and everything, and you're you're kind of defending this little spot, and you're killing guys. And as you as you kill them, the waves go just as you'd expect, and you gain money so you can unlock new weapons or expand the little area you're fighting and stuff like that. Um, and I could actually see that being a lot of fun, like.
1: Yeah, that type of mode. My my main experience with the, I mean, I played a little bit of Call of Duty of like some of the older ones, but with the newer games, my main experience is just with friends, couch co oping that mode, and it's always really fun, like just as a social thing, because you're like, oh, totally,
0: oh, guys behind you, like watch out. Yeah, like,
1: behind you, like oh, we should barricade this. Like, like yeah, who has yeah. money? Like, there's a gun if you want it. So
0: yeah, so I mean that mode I would say like looks pretty fun. And just by myself, I only made it like as far as you can by yourself before you get swarmed, right? But yeah, yeah, well, I mean overall same same kind of feeling I guess you had like mm-hmm. glad it was on PS Plus glad I tried it like I'm glad we're doing this segment I'll play anything on PS Plus just to, <laughs> to, to give it a try and do it for the show but I definitely will not be stopping okay. back in to, well, to we'll, complete the rest
1: we'll both cross our fingers that maybe maybe July yeah. has something hey, else in store for us let's hope the next time we record we
0: get a couple of really really good games to, to pick from to make up for it but uh, <laughs> yeah let's move along Kate what else have you been playing uh,
1: okay so I've got a game next that I am very excited for uh, to talk about I haven't um, I wanted to actually talk about it last show because we've been playing it for, you know, a little bit longer duration, but, uh, there were just some other games that I wanted to go over. So today I will talk to you about For the King from Iron Oak Games. So this is a game It's described as a co-op roguelike strategy game, which is a lot of keywords getting thrown out at you. Um, but basically it is a sort of like four X map D &D and D inspired game. Um, so you get a team of three characters um which is a really nice convenient number because not a lot of games have three as is it three
0: players as well yeah
1: it's three players so you can play it by yourself and control all three or you can
0: have can you can you think of another game that has three players specifically because i can only think of one which is trine
1: yes trine is the other one but that's i even made a note here I'm like it's so convenient that it's three because like it just doesn't show up very often as that being like the optimal number mm-hmm. and we i have a setup with like some with like friends and our no, like we often have three people, yeah. so it was very convenient, and it's just nice to have something, you know, like really. Perfe- different. That's why
0: I play so much Rocket League. <laughs> three, <laughs> three people standard in that too.
1: Yeah, three anyway. in the Rocket League, Battle Rights, another one, three people. Um, but anyway, so you all make a character, and it's sort of like you know, like your D and D sort of classes. You get, um, you can be like Bard. You can be a warrior. You can be, you know, like a hunt huntsman, whatever. And it gives you like various stats and some passive abilities, and then you main gameplay loop is you go into the world and you get like you know like a main story quest and then a lot of the game is sort of like exploration and like leveling up for you to be able to complete that main story quest um so as you walk around it's like a 4x tile game um and as what, you what do you walk,
0: mean 4x tile so
1: 4x is it's kind of like if you've played like civilization or one of those like it's oh, like the hexagon okay, okay, okay. maps um and then your character gets like a certain amount of movement per turn and you can move to the squares beside you um which are normally like kind of like fogged. you don't know what's there but then when you walk onto them it might reveal some kind of like event or like a merchant that shows up or like something will pop up and like surprise you that you can deal with or it'll be like combat encounters and then it turns into a turn-based strategy combat once you enter so it's really neat the kind of core concept is you do your fights and you level up and then you go and interact with the other things and maybe they give you some loot or like some stat upgrades or like whatever kind of things you can get to sort of yeah you can get like side quests and stuff so it really has that kind of like one more turn aspect to it because like you never know like what's going to be around the corner you get to an edge of an island and you're like oh well there's only two more hexes over there like i'll go see what it is so it's really neat. the The combat is really fun too. Like it's quite cl- simple, but very clever with the system. Um, so you get different attack abilities based on what weapon you're using. So,
0: and sorry, are you are you fighting on the, this like hex board grid as well, or do you, uh, does the battle become something else? So
1: when you when you walk into the same square that's already occupied by a monster, it starts a little turn based combat thing, kind of like how um. Like in a JRPG where you got the overworld yeah, monsters yeah. you walk in okay, and then okay. so you're in the battle sure. zone now. Um, and then when you kill them, you get like money and, yeah. you know, yeah, I got you. loot. So you're you're encouraged to do that. Um, but the turn-based the combat system is really good. Your weapon that you have equipped dictates what kind of moves you have. So you can sort of switch that out and like vary the game as you go. And then you get like, you know, like, you have like loots that the bard has that have supportive stuff and do magic damage. Or you can have like a bow that can like armor pierce or something. So it's pretty good. And then your um, chance to hit is based off of like whatever stats that weapon uses. So it's kind of nice and it like details it all out nicely for you and it'll tell you like percentage to hit is this, how much damage it's going to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So sort of like a fire emblem almost, like how it's you have of, to see the stats before you attack. Or, yeah, yeah. It's, it's
1: kind of like that. It's, it's really unique. Like it sounds sort of complicated, but once you start playing it, the game does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for you. So you get just a very nice clear UI. Um, but what it does is, and it's really interesting, is it gives you like points that, that work with the combat so for example like a loot gives you four rolls and it's sort of like i guess it's trying to emulate D in a way where you roll so if your roll is like a 60 percent chance of landing then when you roll four times in the combat those spaces light up and if you hit none of those four then you miss. If mm. you hit all four you get like a really good attack that maybe has right. like an extra thing for it can crit because it's full or like maybe it does an extra effect yeah, because yeah. it's full. Or maybe you roll like two of those four and you do like half damage or something. Um and then you have a, a resource you can spend to fill in one of those for free. And then it obviously increases your chances of getting it perfect. So it's kind of neat. There's there's definitely some like randomness and some chance that get involved in with it because it is still well, you're playing like, the
0: percentages right? yeah
1: you're playing the percentages and it's still meant to be like a roguelike kind of kind of game but um you can you have tools to manipulate that chance which yeah. is nice as well so it's quite strategic so that's really fun and a, a good aspect the combat itself is just good but it's the it's kind of the overworld is the other half of the game mm-hmm. and then half of it's fighting and as you go you collect what's called lore which is basically a currency you use in the lore shop which is i guess where like the roguelike aspect comes into it the most. Um, So your lore, you can buy various different things. So you can actually buy new types of classes. Um, You can buy different types of encounters. So that will be like a new type of shop shows up on your map randomly or like you can now encounter like mermaids in the water tile and they might do something nice for you or like a statue of a hero that will give you some kind of buff when you walk over to them. So things like that. And then you can also buy new items and new like equipment and weapons that are now potentially gained by various like treasure chests and stuff so it's kind of neat to sort of play a bit and then go to the store and unlock some stuff and like be like oh we have a bard in our run like let's buy these loots for them like hopefully we hopefully we run into it now and of course then you don't you run into it on your next next campaign that you don't have a bard (laughs) um but yeah it's really really fun um it's it's very cheeky it's got some really good enemy designs i have to shout out my favorite character in the game is um these enemies and they're like they're called bone bards and they're like skeletons but they're a bard as well but they're their like loot is also made of bones and when they oh, damn. and then when they play it instead of being like the regular nice like jaunty little tune it's actually like a heavy metal tune <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome
0: it's like, and an it's like yeah
1: and it's like really cute there's tons of fun like stuff like that to keep you engaged so i highly recommend it if if you're into anything that's kind of like D or
0: sounds kind of like a little bit reminiscent of like divinity
1: yeah that type of divinity like D like any kind of like like character build driven rpg loot dungeon crawl kind mm. of like anything like that it's really really neat but i will warn you that it will absolutely like eat your life away for a small period of time that's like
0: a common theme with the games you talk about on the show man i know
1: it's been a weird time i've had a lot of like at home free time lately and i'd like to think it's a good thing
0: (laughs) sounds like it um yeah well i've been playing um the last of us 2 which i will talk about in just a second but I I do just want to give my little final thoughts on Bug Fables from last week because I did beat it. Right,
1: because you beat it. Uh,
0: final, no spoilers. I you, I'm not I won't quite give done. give any spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I won't give any spoilers. But um, yeah, I finished the game. I think to be honest, like everything we said last show is still exactly how I feel about it. Like it's a great Paper Mario um, spiritual successor. You know, by mm-hmm. by a different company. Like it still has the same flaws. I think, especially towards towards the end, where you have to do a lot more like overworld puzzles. Um, as far as like pushing boxes and jumping on things, like mm-hmm. the more I got towards the end of the game, I began to dislike that part of it a little bit more just because it gets quite heavy into that stuff at a certain point before you get to the end. Okay. And I was just kind of like, oh God, this, you know, this takes so long, like pushing this exactly where I want it to go is tough. The jumping is a little little off, but mm-hmm. I mean, not enough to put me off. Like it's just a very minor complaint. And actually on our um, last, um, la- for our last show, the YouTube video, someone commented saying that Um, They were actually working on patching that right now for the PC version, so uh, consoles will apparently get that fixed later. I I didn't look and confirm if they'd said anything about that, but I mean, that's great news to hear if they're actually fixing that because I think it's like the only major downfall the, game, downfall the game has.
1: Okay, is that kind and then that, that's awesome to hear like that's a sign of a really good developer too to sort of keep updated oh, on yeah. what the community thinks and like, you know, totally, improve the game totally. as it goes. So that that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so I, I was glad to hear that. And then the final boss, like man, that final boss is a bitch. Like that guy <laughs> has, he has so much health. Like, <sighs> it's just like, it, it was a good fight. Like, I didn't find the game overall that challenging. I know you were playing on the hard mode, which made it a little different. Right. Um. For me, yeah. I, I found, like, I mean, I only died once or twice throughout the game. But the, I died on the final boss just not because he was too tough, but because it becomes, like, a bit of an endurance fight. Like, I found, like, I, I was just too liberal in my usage of my items and my... My resources for the first time, and then I didn't realize I'd be fighting him for as long as I was. Right.
1: So you were kind of used to, based on the rest of the game, like kind of like well, expending I, all your stuff and yeah, like totally. that was the yeah. fight like, I, versus. I played it
0: very much like very aggressive all the time, and like just I would just pay the money to heal because I found I had so much money. But by mm-hmm. the end, like I had to pace it, and then once I went back and did it the second time, I, I beat him, finished the game, all that. Like there's a lot of post game content that, that shows up, like side quests and stuff. Um, Might pop back in and do a few, but overall, I. Great game. Like the ending.
1: Mm-hmm. It was good.
0: But yeah, The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> I am excited. Been, um, you know hear. what?
1: I purposely haven't asked you very much about it because I'm excited to hear what you think about this game.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this game, When where do you start with it, right? First of all, I'm not going to say anything about the story because this game is like, if not 50%, it's more than 50% story driven. Like, it's the story is what it is. The story is great. I really like it. Um, I know people online have been review bombing this game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's Metacritic, been a little
1: controversial. Um
0: due to a number of reasons, maybe because, you know, Ellie's into girls or maybe because the violence or they don't like where the story's going, stuff like that. But I mean, to all those people that are upset about the story, like, this is the story they want to tell, you know? Like if you don't mm-hmm. like it then then like don't play the game. So getting past that stuff though, like wow, what I don't even know where to start. This <laughs> game it's it's so fun, like As good as people remember, The Last of Us, the original being Mm -hmm. going back and playing it now, you can kind of see like, well, this is still great. It's still like wonderfully built, but it's been iterated on a bit since then. I think because it's from 2013, so right, so like which is seven
1: years ago now. Holy shit! Exactly,
0: (laughs) you know, crazy, right? So, but playing this game now, it feels like how you remember. The original one playing at that time like it's right. it's it's that clean like the mechanics are perfect you you think you can vault over a wall like you'll do it no problem mm-hmm. you you want to begin crawling like you do it no problem you'll reload your guns like nothing right nothing like feels it, like it has a glitch or like anything right like that. it's very organic it's it's great yeah, yeah. and the the big change from this one in terms of like what i'll talk about mostly here is the combat mm-hmm. and because that's you know spoiler free right and it's safe and <laughs> this yeah it's safe um i'd love to talk about this game in a spoilery setting another time yeah
1: well once we both but, played uh, it yeah we will do so
0: yeah so the The main thing I've noticed from the change from the previous game to this one is they've really opened up the combat encounter areas. I remember when we watched the state of play, you were worried like, oh, is this getting a bit too open world or mm-hmm. or like what's going on? It's definitely not open world. Right. But in the in the previous game, like the first one, there was you would encounter groups of enemies in different areas, and they they'd be like varying sizes. In this game so far, a lot of the encounters take place in like much bigger areas. Which allows you a lot more freedom in how you want to tackle it, mm-hmm. um, and that's in terms of like the width of it, but also like the verticality is a lot more. Like I find that there's a lot more. Oh, I can climb on top of that roof. Like maybe I could climb on top of the roof and lay down and shoot the guys from above, or or right. you know you can also crawl in this one now and go prone. So like oh I'm gonna crawl under this truck and like wait for them to walk past and with those two changes alone there's a lot more like personality in how you want to fight them because of course you could always if you have enough bullets and weapons on you and you think you're hot shit you can <laughs> you can still take them on and like and like just start shooting at the guys but like that doesn't usually work out so so it's very much about like right do do you think you can get to that roof without them seeing you or or like, are you going to hide in this building, clear this one building out stealthily and then take shots from the okay. windows? Like that,
1: that sounds really cool. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like it encourages you a lot to be very creative with how you're approaching these situations, which is awesome.
0: It totally does. And the thing too, is like you, you're so your strategy, you cannot keep the same strategy every time. Like my ultimate strategy was, would be that I'd, I'd build a bunch of you get, you can build like these, um, like they were called nail bombs in the first game. I don't, they're basically like you know landmines like you can a sh- put down kind like of shrapnel thing, mines yeah. or whatever you can put them down my strategy if i had my choice every time would be i'm going to barricade one house put one of those at every door and then snipe guys with my rifle right like okay. that's what i would do but yep. but this it's game like you can't do that because it doesn't give you enough resources to rely on on the same strategy every time like Mm -hmm. like you're you're gonna run out of bullets you're not gonna have enough to craft exactly what you want like i can't make this nail bomb this time but oh look i can craft a molotov so now i have to find a way to use this effectively because i don't have any other resources you know right and and i think that's so cool because it keeps you on your toes and it makes you also like look around these environments because they are so big so you're not just staying in one spot, you're encouraged to like, oh, I wonder if I can just make it to that next house. If there's what I can find in that house that will help me kill the rest of these guys, like are they gonna have ammo over there? Do they have supplies? Like you, you need to move. You cannot stay right where you are.
1: Yeah, that's kind of neat, and and it's a smart game design too, because obviously it's thematic with the world. Like you don't have a lot of resources. That's sort of the point of like a Mm post-apocalyptic like. Well, right, yeah. You're just you're scraping
0: by. Like I can't tell you how many times. I think I'm about halfway through right now, Mm -hmm. where I've been like, you know, honestly, like I've got like. You know, almost no bullets left. And I just come by this one house and there'll be like two pistol ammo in there. I'm like, oh, thank fucking God, like two pistol ammo. Like, I better not miss with these two shots. Otherwise, I'm going to have to like sneak yeah. up behind these guys.
1: And it makes it fun too because like, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of the person, maybe to a fault at times, where I'm a very like habitual player in games, like I tend to find a play style and like, I've, you know, like I've been loving God of War, absolutely adore it, but I find I approach combat very similar with every encounter because it's my style, it mm-hmm, works, mm-hmm. I like it, I'm good at it, it's fun. But I like when games challenge me to approach things from a different angle and like utilize a playstyle or some items or some sort of aspect of the game that I wouldn't interact with otherwise because it ends up being really fun. And like, you know, you just get to experience more of the game. Well,
0: exactly right. And to that point as well, like this is definitely the way they want you to play. Mm -hmm. And it's not just in your resources and like what's available. It's also in that they've now introduced dogs. And so the way the enemies work is that, Well, the zombies are more by sound, but when you're fighting the human enemies, it's obviously by if they can see you or not. But sometimes the enemies have the human enemies have dogs with them. They don't go by sight; they go by sight and smell. So, so when you go into the listening mode, which is like you know your bread and butter in The Last of Us, you can you can see your your scent trail. Okay, so so you tell when the dogs are. If the dogs are around, like you literally have to have to move because they'll they will track you and right. you, you you like will get eaten alive
1: right and i'm sure ellie doesn't shower as much as she'd like to God, so you're you probably know, uh, quite pungent the dogs you know, can smell like, you from as quite I've been far away this game, i just can't get out
0: of my head like during the cutscenes, i'll be playing <laughs> and i'll just be like man like these guys must just smell <laughs> terrible like they, <laughs> they just must be they so just, dirty they look like gross. they smell like shit like they definitely do but um <laughs>
1: it's okay as long as you all smell like shit
0: yeah you yeah. can't
1: tell <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um Overall, like this, I've just I love playing this game, and I like like we saw in the state of play, like it is overwhelmingly like violent in mm-hmm. some parts. Like just the way that she stabs these guys, even with generic melee, like they must have got a blood spatter expert in on this to like. No, I'm not even joking. Like yeah. they must have. Like they the probably way, did. The way that it goes on the ground and like some of the stealth kills you pull off, like you can hear the gurgling of people Ugh. like getting stabbed in the throat. Like it's just crazy how it feels and and like maybe this is a discussion for another time but to me like if games ever began to get r ratings like this would be right up there with like uh, gta for like this mm-hmm. needs to be r rating because of it's going back to call of duty from a little bit earlier like that's a violent game you shoot yes. guys in the head but it's just it's it's so arcadey compared to how this feels mm-hmm. and like it almost seems like unreasonable to have them rated the same way and that's only the violence like this this game has all types of different things in it Yeah, so, can't say too much more without the story. The game is, what I will say about it, is kind of funny, is, like, in the first game, it's infamous for, like, for like, oh, the power's out. Better find a generator. Mm-hmm. And there's all there's so many times like that where you're like, okay, good, I found the generator. Right. And so this game has a bit of fun with that. Like they're they'll they were almost making fun of it and like, oh look, another generator. And then at one point Ellie was just like, oh yeah, now that's a generator. Like she's giving it a compliment. <laughs> like they know they had to do this all the time in the previous games. That's so awesome. I like the little on the nose nod, but. Yeah, that's my uh, initial impression. Okay. I'll talk about it more for sure awesome. once I
1: beat it. So, last question about it. Then I'm I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Is it living up to your expectations? Is it surpassing them, or do you think you were you were really excited about it and it's just a, a very good game, you, but not?
0: You know what? It's hard to answer that because mm-hmm. because to me, the reason why I'm mostly playing it is like the storyline, right? Like yes. I I just. The storyline, the, the controls, and like the way it plays, it, it's more fun than I expected it would be. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's just me going in like really look like getting hyped for this game by like the marketing and all that, or, mm-hmm. or what it is. But like this game to me feels like I couldn't imagine how it could feel more fun to play. Right. Um, as far as the story goes, I've really enjoyed what I've seen so far. Uh, I think it's headed in a great place. It's been really unexpected and like good plot twists and stuff like that. I'll have to wait and see once I finish on that. Okay. I guess. Interesting. But, well,
1: um, you'll have to update us all once you're done. Yeah,
0: you know what? I feel like next episode is going to be pretty big. Once you get, uh, you'll be talking God of War and Last of Us. So it'll be like a pretty yes, yes. Pretty I will. Heavy... I will
1: continue to tease you with God of War. I, I think we'll we'll move on to the news and into other things today. Um, but I have definitely made some progress, and the game has really opened up to me. So, uh, God yeah. of War soon. TM. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> a that's a
0: uh, get ready for next time kind of kind of statement. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll leave it here for the games we've been playing for now and we'll be right back after a short break with the news. Alright everybody, welcome back to the second part of the show where we will talk about the news. And we have um, two stories today, of course slightly smaller than the PlayStation 5 (laughs) reveal last week. But uh, let's get into it. Kate, you got the first story over there.
1: Okay. Yeah. So this is kind of a small one, but a neat one. I mean, we can't Dragon Ball Z forever and, you know, our power (laughs) level up to destroying planets with the news every day. So uh, this one comes to us from PlayStation Blog. Jeff Norton wrote it, um, the Senior Director of Software Engineering. And uh, basically, it's announcing the PlayStation Bug Bounty Program. So, what that means is that anyone at their home in their home can be the next Arthur Morgan and uh, Arthur <laughs> Morgan. and like collect these bounties. Um, basically, it's kind of cool. Um, it's in collaboration with HackerOne and basically what they're doing is they're inviting people to intentionally go find bugs and um, network issues, like security issues yeah. for the PlayStation 4 and, and PlayStation 4 network. And and
0: presumably the PlayStation 5. Yeah. PlayStation 5 network too. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like this one It doesn't specify anything about the PlayStation 5 in this article, but I'm assuming like that the timing is not coincidental and they want everything to be very secure leading up to yeah. Uh, And including the launch for PS5. Um, But the Bounties basically, if you can find a a hole in their security or some kind of flaw or something that you can exploit, uh, they will pay you starting at 50,000 US dollars, which is quite a nice bit of money um, to, to point out these flaws that they can then work on, which I think, yeah. personally, is a fantastic idea. Like, obviously, they have a team of professionals and experts who consult for this kind of stuff, but there's tons of really talented people out there, as we've seen with all, like, the hacks and oh, leaks man, and things that have happened in the past. For
0: sure has had, like, so many... I mean, I don't know the number, but they, it seems like they've been hacked, like, quite a few times over the past decade. Yeah. And these DDoS attacks and, like, information getting stolen, potentially. So I think, like... This is a like you said a great incentive program for people who know how to do this shit to do it constructively and actually earn like yeah like is, there's no wonder they're paying them fifty thousand bucks because they they need to pay them that much to make it worth it not for for the criminals to be like hey this is worth making my money instead of just like
1: yeah people's bank exactly it's you know? su- it's such a good win win like if you have these kind of skills which I'm sure you developed um, for very. A positive reasons. A a lot of them probably (laughs) Um, did. A lot of them probably did, right? So that's fine. Um, but instead of maybe going down a a dark, nefarious path with them, take them and and contribute positively and get yourself fifty thousand dollars or or potentially more. I mean,
0: I hope that I stumble across a bug and get paid fifty thousand. Right?
1: Like, yeah, I have no idea what the hell to start looking for, but like, ooh, maybe I'll spend a little time in the e shop and see what kind of horrible secrets pop up. No, I I mean, yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's a great, great initiative. Like, why not, right? People are looking into this stuff anyway. If you're going to solve a major problem and save like hundreds of thousands of customers and like their privacy or like save your company bad PR, like what's 50 grand to a company like Sony?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I remember back in the PlayStation 3 era, I was really happy to get Infamous uh, for free when they gave out those free Mm -hmm. games for everything having been hacked. But um, that's maybe... Not the yeah, best, it's not a good trade off. Maybe not the best trade off, so maybe this is better.
0: <laughs> I agree completely, but um, yeah. So, our, our second story, uh, we're done with that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Is um, that Sean Layton, yes, you may remember him as being the former head of Sony Interactive Studios. Um, he's had an interview with gamesindustry.biz where he basically outlined that, like hey, look, games just cost too much to make these days. I think he was referenced in the article saying current gen, a lot of AAA games are costing anywhere between like 80 million to 150 million for AAA game development. And I think this this came up because of The Last of Us 2, like a game he was um, still with Sony during the time when like some of the time the game was being worked on. So what he's trying to say is like, look, games either have to become shorter so that they don't take as long to develop, thus costing less money, or, you know, something else is going to have to be done about it just because because it's getting to the point where, like, especially with the new consoles coming out, that like the games are only getting bigger and more expansive and better graphics and better this, better that. And it's just going to become like unsustainable to create these products unless they either yeah make the game shorter or increase the price of what the games cost. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like what which trade off would people prefer? Like, to, like to me, I'm, I'm OK with shorter games. I don't need some 150 hour experience. But I mean, I don't as a consumer, I don't want to be paying more than, I mean, we're in Canada, Seventy nine ninety nine for 99 for a new game is like not a cheap proposition, you know? So it's kind of an interesting conundrum.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, they're sort of in trouble either way, right? Like as a business, you can't take lot, you can't like produce a product that loses you money. There's not, you know, like that's yeah. not feasible. Well, you, I mean,
0: you can to a point, but you have to have, yeah. you have to have enough products balancing that out and making you money. yeah
1: exactly like like just a very general rule like why would a business like that's stupid right so it needs to be feasible and sustainable for them but then at the same time yeah as a consumer like 80 canadian dollars already seems like too high of a of a price for a lot of games. So mm-hmm. well there that's why you be... see the
0: trend of everyone like, oh, I'm waiting for the sale. Yeah. I'm waiting for this to go on PS Plus. It's like, it's like why Steam's so popular with their Steam sale where you can get like 95 games for $2, you know? And then yeah, PlayStation exactly. and console games are in a different spot than that. But you, you can kind of see like the writing on the wall kind of that we're heading towards with, with statements like this.
1: Yeah, it is it's definitely a little concerning as a consumer, but at the same time, like, in a contradictory way, I want to get those really beautiful, like, mm-hmm. gorgeous games with the graphics that, you know, have, like, paid actors doing all, like, the mocap stuff, and, like, those are those are really great resources that I want to see in my games, but, like, yeah, you have yeah. to you know, like that money's got to come from somewhere. So
0: so would you be like, what would you be willing to pay then if you like, you (laughs) want these games to keep coming out? Like what, what's a fair price? Like, I mean, we don't, we're not, I don't know, right?
1: Like, I I don't know how much it takes to, to make a game or what aspect costs the most or, or what kind of things maybe would be, would be cut to reduce prices. But I think I'm definitely okay with the idea of shorter games. Sometimes the, like, a long game I find intimidating by the length anyway. Mm -hmm. And, like, it would be nice to have some AAA games, especially, that, like, have these big, big budget, like, beautiful, like, best resources, but you don't have to commit the next, like, 100 hours of your life to. Like, it would almost be, would be nice to know that, like, okay, I can pick up that game. It's 30 hours and it's really high quality, but at the same time, it's really game dependent, right? Like, some games based on their design, require a really long length. And there's definitely people who, who see that as a draw to mm-hmm. the game. Like, oh, I, I think can get that's, a lot,
0: that's a lot of people. Like, a yeah. lot of games are sold based on, like, over 80 hours of immersive gameplay. Yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's like, like, on the box.
1: Some people want to just dive into the game and, and, like, live and breathe that game for, for a few hours and they, they don't want to run out of content. And at the same the same time, like, I think one of the reasons that is being promoted so much is as being, like oh 80, at least 80 hours worth of content and, and maybe sometimes that's not for the right reasons but I think a lot of people see that and they go like well if I'm paying $80 for it I want this like large amount of content because that's mm-hmm. that's where I determine that the price point is worth it versus other aspects of like okay the graphics are a little nicer but like you know that yeah, doesn't translate yeah. always as a as a one-to-one as much as like I have this much amount of content
0: I know it's, it's an interesting debate we could so, go on we could do a whole segment yeah, and, on on the price of games and it's, like whatever it's,
1: it's interesting i think it's inevitable that that i could easily
0: see them coming out and being like look next gen games like 99.99 you know like it's a scary thing to think about, but like, it's not unreasonably ridiculous that they might do that. Yeah. I
1: think. Oh, I mean, and they make it gradual too, right? Like, I remember like fifty dollars used to be mm-hmm, like a AAA mm-hmm. new AAA game, fifty dollars, and then it just slowly like yeah crept up. And like, I pre-ordered Ghost of Tsushima last night actually, and it was like, whew, <laughs> my yeah, it's, Amazon cart looking like, uh, looking pretty hefty. But I mean, like,
0: that, yeah, that's the reason you can't play everything. Well, one of many reasons you can't play everything. There's also tons of games that come out. But I mean, yeah, it's not cheap to play video games, folks. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. It Really isn't.
1: but then at the same time i think about it and like there's definitely games where like hundred dollars does seem like a lot because of what i'm used to paying for a game but there's definitely games i've played where like you know what i did get a hundred hours of enjoyment out of that like it was worth that price well, point totally. to me so i think maybe something that consumers will have to do if the prices increase is to be really like conscious of what they're buying and like maybe that'll have good ramifications for the industry it'll push developers Mm -hmm. to make you know like really high quality products or like really unique things and maybe it'll be less of the same like the same game reiterated every year because people will be less likely to buy it at that higher price yeah exactly especially
0: the games that that come out like so often like are you Mm -hmm. really gonna spend 100 bucks every year on a new assassin's creed or like a new sport one of the sports franchises like a racing game like is it really Mm -hmm. worth upgrading it every time yes and some
1: people definitely will but i think there will be a section of people too that kind of fall off of that train as well so
0: i don't know man it'll be definitely
1: interesting to see how that progresses
0: well uh (laughs) yeah we will follow along but uh that's gonna do us for the news segment uh so catch us again uh, in just a few seconds we'll talk about the games we are most looking forward to that probably and hopefully won't cost a (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars i'll be right back (laughs) Alright everyone, welcome back to the final segment of the show where we thought in spirit of E3 and all the new game announcements coming out that we would uh, take just a few minutes to go over some quick hitters and and kind of uh, outline what we're most excited for you know, everything we've learned about recently. So why don't you start us off, Kate?
1: Okay. Uh, this was really hard to narrow down, I have to say. There know, were right? so it many really wonderful was. things shown off.
0: I feel like we've been inundated with like so many new games and information. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one thing I will say is we're, we're not putting nothing on either of our lists as anything that's unannounced. So yes. like, for example, inevitably there's going to be Uncharted 5 one day, like there's got to be, mm-hmm. but we're not putting that down because it's not actually something we hard know about
1: yes basically. that's true and i also i don't know if you impose this rule on yourself but i impose the rule that like if it's currently out i took it off i had a couple things oh yeah, yeah. on there like um I'm really excited for like disco elysium and another game called oh man one, me too and one step from eden but they both were like and we're out now like have fun yeah, yeah. it's so got to be something that out. we
0: know is coming but it's yes. but it's not out yet
1: and i i also put something that um I saw in one of these presentations and not like, like Silk Song, for example, the Hollow Knight sequel. Mm-hmm. I know it's coming out. I'm so excited. I've seen some gameplay. They didn't say anything about it at E3 um, or any yeah. of these like pseudo E3 conferences, so.
0: Cut. Okay. Well, I got a couple um, that aren't from that, but, but okay. So well, well see. anyway, yeah, let's we didn't talk about it, this. Go, go. Um,
1: okay, perfect. <laughs> we'll I'll start off, uh, and I've got uh, two games I've packaged together here because um, they kind of fall under the, the sort of similar sort of umbrella. It is my From Software games that I have to talk about. Um, we didn't get to see any Elden Ring stuff, um, so we'll have a yeah. Hopefully, you know, that's coming soon. We all eh? we all cried about that at home. We're kind of trying to get over it, but we did see Demon Souls remake. Yeah, that um, looked great. Which is amazing. Well,
0: the, you mean yeah? yeah. Wow.
1: It looks absolutely wonderful. Um, the remaster is done by Bluepoint, who did the um, Shadow of the Colossus remaster recently. Um, they're supposed to be like a really top tier studio for for doing this kind of stuff and reimagining these older games. Um, so I'm incredibly excited to dive into the game, um, the FromSoft game that I missed and now in a very convenient way. Um, so that's on there. And I've coupled that with another game called Mortal Shell, uh, which I saw on the IGN and the Gorilla showcases. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's by a company called Cold Symmetry. This is their first game that I've seen. Um, It's very, very Dark Souls inspired. Like you look at this game for 30 seconds and you know it. They wear it on their sleeve. Um, But it looks like they've added some like unique gameplay twists to it. Um, The main thing is you kind of get like there's a few different patrons in the game that you you can find, discover and worship. And then they give you different abilities that seem like they really play into the into the core gameplay of it so it's kind of got that flexibility and like something that sort of makes it stand out a little yeah, bit like they're, more they're,
0: they're definitely dark souls heavily inspired but they're changing it up just with their own little flair yeah
1: exactly and like it looks like it's got a really cool atmosphere the combat looks like it's nice and tight so i'm i'm excited to see how that game progresses
0: that's cool um well i'll start off then i, I have two that go together as well okay. not because they're anything like each other but just because they're my two games on this list that actually aren't coming to playstation Oh, so okay. i do have a couple of those um, they're both going to be Nintendo. It's Metroid Prime 4 and mm. the new Pokemon Snap, man. Oh! Like, these <laughs> games... I mean, Pokemon Snap is just like a childhood yeah, what um, been, icon, what right? What has it
1: been, 21 years? Yeah, something <laughs> like that.
0: Like, whether or not it's a good gamer, I mean, that's up for debate. I think it's a fun game. I think that the new one looks to be pretty fun, so I'll, I'll definitely be, you know, checking that out, probably when it goes on sale at some point. I, I don't think I'll pay full price for something like that, mm-hmm. but uh, Metroid Prime 4 is really, like, the one I'm really into, like... It's. Uh, I really love the first Metroid Prime. Um, didn't play the third one actually. I've only played bits and pieces of the second. But I think that it's been so long since that series came out. Like seeing what Nintendo could do with like, you know, quote unquote, a mature first person like experience, especially on like the Switch. It could be pretty cool. Hopefully, it comes out sometime soon. Because as far as I know, they like restarted development on there. Yeah, it's um, been.
1: It was delayed quite a so, bit. And so
0: yeah, like who knows when we'll ever see that. But like I got to put that on the list of most anticipated. Um, Until Mm -hmm. it comes, so that's my my Nintendo uh, duet. It's
1: a game of legends. Um, Okay, well, my number two is a shooter, surprisingly. Um, but it's got a unique twist. It is Metal Hellsinger. I'm mm. sure you've seen this game. It was all over presentations, but it is a rhythm shooter. So at first glance, it kind of looks like a, like a first-person Doom-esque kind yeah, of like.
0: Yeah, it looked a lot like Doom.
1: Yeah, at first glance, like, oh, this is Doom, but it's not. It's a rhythm shooter, um, which really struck me as a creative idea. But then when I thought about it, I was surprised that this game doesn't exist already, um, or at least to my knowledge, there's nothing like it. Because when you play games like that, and those like really fast-paced action games like you really do feel like you get into like a rhythm and you're kind of like you know like in this sort of trance playing along with the game and and that's kind of what the developer outsiders is the the company that's how they explained it they're like you know this is what the game the feeling we get from certain games we're going to turn that into a core mechanic Mm -hmm. so it looks really neat you kind of like shoot on beat with the music um and i gotta say it's got some really Really like it has
0: great music. It has
1: great music. They've got some like really good metal singers too. They're like the yeah. Ark Enemy guys on there, um, and Soilworks is another another band where they've got some singers. So. I'm a big metal fan. I Rhythm games are great. I'm super excited for this one. Yeah,
0: that's a, that's a good shout. It didn't make my list, but like I, that's one mm-hmm. I definitely would like. If nothing except for the soundtrack, I'm down to play that one yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: it looks neat. <laughs>
0: um, so my next one I'm going to get um, out of the way here. It's not the most exciting pick because I think everyone's excited for it in the game <laughs> industry, but that's Cyberpunk um, right. 2077. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it before, I think, on one of our shows, maybe even our first episode where we went over one of our questions in that interview about like how I never played the Witcher, mm-hmm. um, especially the Witcher three. And it's a game that I've always really wanted to play, but I just feel like I missed the boat on that one. And it's just, it's not that it wouldn't be fun to go back to it. It's just that because Cyberpunk's going to be so big, I don't mm-hmm. want to go play the Witcher for like 4,000 hours and then right. spend that much time with cyberpunk. Like I just want to get into a game from CD project red. Um, I think I'm more interested in like the futuristic um, right. setting more so than the fantasy one anyway. So learning seeing what they've learned from making the witcher and and translating that over to the cyberpunk world and and there have been a few presentations recently on cyberpunk showing some more um, missions and and just the way that world works it it just looks so enthralling to me and i love the vibrant colors i love the um the ui it just looks great i can't wait to try it out and uh, you best believe i pre-ordered that already months and months (laughs) ago even though it's delayed till november right
1: i think it just recently got another delay right Yeah.
0: yeah but i mean you know what
1: it's coming. Work on it as long as you need it
0: to. Uh, I'll play it whenever it comes.
1: Exactly. Out. What's the What's the Nintendo quote? Like a, a delayed. Game? A, what is it?
0: A delayed game is or no. A, a rush bad game, game is never good. A rush game good. is bad forever. No, but a delayed game.
1: Is good eventually. Yes. Yeah, I, like I don't know. Something a little <laughs> more eloquent. Someone email. <laughs> it.
0: Someone email and tweet us. Let us know that.
1: Yeah. This is why we're not Nintendo PR. um Okay. Number three on mine is the Iron Oath by Curious Panda. So this one's really cool it's an indie strategy rpg it's got the you know the classic retro style for that and you know the million games like this come out um but this one sort of has some unique things that that caught my eye so the premise is you run a mercenary guild and you hire on different units which are going to be like your different class types um and then the game sort of like progresses with a time in base time system, so like your characters get old and retire, or like they actually take on injuries from from some of the, like the turn based fights you go into, and then um, there's you know like you run into NPCs and you have to make like choices and dialogue options. It's got all that kind of like sim aspect going, which is always fun, or at least I am in, obsessed with it after playing Persona. Mm-hmm. Um, but the combat stood out to me too. It looks really neat. It's it's like a, a you know you're on like a grid that you can fight and move around in, but they have a emphasis on positioning and movement, which I don't think you see very often. Mm-hmm. And they pointed out, and I was trying to think, I've never seen this in a video game before, but they have op attacks, which they the developer said they pulled from DD. So if you're not familiar with that, it's when- you're I am not. Be- Perfect. <laughs> then I will, I will tell you. So if you're not familiar with an op attack, uh, it sounds for like opportunity attack, but it's when you're beside an enemy and they move away from you you get to attack them oh, okay so it's to emulate it's kind like taking of taking
0: advantage of like a upper hand you would have
1: yeah exactly it's kind of like to emulate in a fight like you wouldn't just let someone walk away from you right like you're gonna hit them or like do something mm-hmm. to stop them that like you wouldn't just be in the middle of a fight and they're like okay bye <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it's kind of silly um, but i've never seen that implemented into a video game yeah, it's kind of neat. So there's that emphasis. And then they showed in the in their gameplay demo There was a lot of like putting traps down and then with one character and then using another character to push them into that trap Which then presumably like they could also get an op attack So like it, it seems unique in the sense that the positioning of the fight is much more important than just like my guys I'll stand beside you and like beat you up. So yeah, yeah, looks cool. really neat
0: Cool. Um, my next one. I'm gonna knock off another big one here if you haven't noticed, a lot of mine is from the Sony press conference, because <laughs> I, I just can't get over how excited I am for some of these. I couldn't not put them right. Got a shout out Miles Morales here, Spider-Man. Spider-Man 27, 2018 was, I mean, I'm doing my top favorite games of all time list right now. Like that game just got, came out the other day. It's super high up. Like I just, I loved the movement in that game more than yeah. anything. Like just swinging around that city is just like a game in itself, right. let alone the it rest really of it. It really
1: makes you feel like you're Spider-Man. <laughs>
0: it, it does, man. It does. Like, it's, it's a great, great game. And, and I just think that them learning from how they made that to refine like, okay, we don't really have to do a whole lot to build this city up. We don't have to, mm-hmm. to like, we can refine the swinging mechanics instead of just instead of building them from the ground up, you know, like they've already learned a lot from making the 2018 Spider-Man. So I have high expectations for like, this will feel even better than that. And, I mean, I'm always down for a good Marvel superhero story. I'm a big right. fan of, like, the Marvel universe.
1: And it's cool to see Miles Morales it is, come out yeah, again it just is as cool. something. Because I think we're all very used to Spider-Man now with all, like, the movies and the games. And it's like, right, right. And it's a know, big
0: change to have Miles instead of Peter. I'm sure Peter will still show up inevitably, even if mm-hmm. it's just on, like, phone calls. Like, they're swinging around, hey, Peter, like, nothing's going on, no <laughs> trouble here. And he's, like, fighting a guy. You know, you can just see it happening, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so whatever happens, I'm just interested to see that and can't wait to go back to Spider-Man. Even uh, if it's not a full sequel, that's fine with me. Down for the shorter experience, maybe mm-hmm. less than uh, full price. Yeah, maybe, maybe it won't going be $100. To, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, this, this next one I've got is sort of funny because when I first watched the trailer, I assumed it was going to be a certain type of game. Found out that it's a different type of game and it's still on my list either way. <laughs> um, so
0: <laughs> that says something. to
1: elaborate on that, it's Solar Ash. Um, which is also the PlayStation right, yeah, event. Yeah, that's the um, Hyper Light Drifter. Guys, yes, right? it is made by Heart Machine, which were the their big last big game was Hyperlight Drifter. So when I first saw it, it's like a very beautiful artistic looking game. And I thought it was going to be a journey-esque kind of like visual cinematic sort of thing that was like a short experience, but like kind of like a very emotional and like art-driven game was my assumption for it. Um, but then when I looked into it a little bit more, and saw their steam page because they just showed like a sort of like a teaser trailer so i looked at the steam page there was a like description on there alluded to that there's going to be like big boss fights so now i'm thinking it's maybe gonna be similar to hyper light drifter in that sort of like really fast paced like bullet time almost yeah, kind of like
0: action i think it's a direct sequel to hyper light drifter yeah from what i heard which
1: like i'm still very excited about that like i just think the teaser just looks so beautiful and, and sort of like gave me, you know, my, my guess was it was a certain type yeah. of context, but I'm still equally as excited about like a hyperlight Drifter sequel because that looks incredibly fun too. So this game just really has me like captivated.
0: Yeah. It was one of the most, I mean, we saw so many games, like we mm-hmm. said, like there's been so many things announced, like that really is one of the, one of the ones that sticks out based on its um, appearance. Yes. F8, which I think is like a big shout because there's hundreds of things to compare against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. Um so my next one I will go with. They're not in order here. I'm just kind of kind of throwing yeah, them at the wall. Yeah. too. Um, I'm going to go with the smaller one. This is the definitely the smallest game I have on my list. It's um it takes 2 by Joseph Ferris. Um Hayes Light is a studio, <laughs> I believe. Um for those that that aren't aware, I'm a huge fan of um Brothers Tale of Two Sons. Like I yes, love that game. That I think game. it is phenomenal. It is like one of my favorite games for sure. Like definitely as, as far as smaller experiences go, it's like right up the list for me. Um, I played um, a way out as well last year um, it's a really fun couch co-op I didn't like it as much as brothers I think it had some flaws but it was a it was still a great experience like really enjoyed that game as well so I'm basically just in on whatever joseph Ferris does um, i'm I'm checking it out for sure just based on like his storytelling and whatnot and so it takes two is is the story of like this girl whose parents are going through a divorce and she basically makes these dolls um one's made of wood and one's made of clay and they she's I don't know if she's playing with them or if something happens with these dolls where she's telling the story about like how her parents are interacting. And apparently, he was—he did an interview saying that the mechanics in the game are based around um, the emotions that they're going to be feeling at mm-hmm. the time, and like how um, the gameplay and the story like weave together to create a narrative. And I just think that's a really cool design philosophy where a lot of games will be like, "Hey, you're doing this action," and then in a cutscene, it's going to show you the emotion. Whereas with this kind of idea, if it works out the way he's like pitching the game, it kind of meshes those together. And I think that's a really great concept, especially from someone who like had such a phenomenal game like Brothers and, and like mm-hmm. A Way Out's Good as well. So so I'm, like, I couldn't be more excited to, to check this one out. When okay. it comes.
1: I'm really glad that's on your list. It, it was very, it was on my list, but then it got condensed and, and sort of like... Pushed outside mm-hmm, of it, mm-hmm. um, mostly for the reason that I haven't played a way out yet, although I did buy it yesterday. Yep. Check out that Steam sale. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited and looking forward to that. It's been something that's on, been on my radar since it got announced, I think, in 2018.
0: Or, yeah, yeah,
1: and and uh you're I, talking about a way out right? a way out yeah, yeah. yeah so i i i kind of took it takes two down slightly in priority on my list because i well, wanted right, to play yeah. a way out first um but yeah it looks really neat it looks very emotional yeah, well i mean um, that's the thing right so well. i i like that i like i like very story driven games it looks good um, my number five is, is probably absolutely no surprise to anyone who's been listening. Uh, I've got Baldur's Gate 3 on here, <laughs> yeah. um, which is what I alluded to earlier when I said that, uh, gorilla Gaming had some interesting stuff for me. Um, so. They had a
0: big section on that, didn't they? They did. Yeah.
1: There's been some really good stuff for Baldur's Gate 3. It's basic, it's made by Larian Studios, who did Divinity, and they also announced a cool Divinity DLC, so, uh, Yeah,
0: I saw that and I was like, Kate's yeah, gonna like that
1: one. I know. I, I actually just finished divinity recently okay. like about a week ago maybe i'll talk about it yeah, soon I do a
0: whole section separate um, podcast about but that.
1: I- i'm i'm basically going to go into a replay of the game to incorporate the dlc so that's that's my level of excitement for this um and Baldur's gate 3 is basically divinity but also mixed with DD, so it really can't get better they they've done a bunch of gameplay demos which are really fantastic to to go watch as well like it, you can tell the game is so incredibly organic like they the gameplay demo like the person dies in it at the time <laughs> like they run into Might encounter not. and like do poorly and die and have to restart it and things just go horribly wrong which is exactly what happens when you play the game so it looks incredible I'm so over the moon and it's coming out soon too I think when is it out? Um well it's I think there's a there's like a demo or like an alpha you can play in August. Oh that is soon. so wow. yeah it's coming up soon.
0: Hmm, well, there you go um so my second last one. Um, let's get the, the one more obvious one out of the way first. Um, it's Ratchet and Clank, uh, mm-hmm. the new Ratchet and Clank for PS5. I think Rift in Time, right? Or Rift Apart. One mm-hmm. of those two. Rift something. Rift something. But, uh, man, like Ratchet and Clank, I think it's definitely one of my favorite PlayStation franchises. Like it definitely, it, it's gotta be. I love those games. And I think the reason I, I never jumped to it off the top of my head when someone asked me that, like, Hey, what, what are some of your favorite series? It's just cause it, we haven't had one for so mm-hmm. long. And it's just been since we saw that announcement like ruminating in me like oh man like I do I really want to play this like I need to play (laughs) this I need to play it because it's just something that's been missing and so to the point where I actually busted out the PS2 the other night and played a little (sighs) bit of the original Ratchet and Clank like not even the remake just to to get back into that world and see like okay this is where the series started this is where it's going and I just think that not only is it the franchise that I really would like to play I'm also excited to I think from what they showed, it's the game that's coming to PS5 that, oh, along with maybe Spider-Man, that are going to show off, like, that fast loading capability. Right. Um, It'll be a flagship game. Jumping from planet to planet, like, I think that that will be a, just a great, not only g- game in its own right, but also a great experience to, like, show off the difference between previous console and, like, the new one coming out. So, so definitely Ratchet & Clank for me.
1: Okay. Wonderful. It does look really good. Um, Alright, so for my last game, and I'm not saying I saved the best last, but have you heard of a little game called Fight Crab? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think I have. I think you told me about this one time.
1: So so this showed up in like IGN's day four or something, and like this is a game that I I heard about like oh, like a long time ago, and it's sort of become like a joke with my friend group of like oh when Fight Crab coming out and like we're gonna play, and it's this like dumb fighting game where like basically you're all crabs, and I think there's some lobsters in there too. So the game is very well, you misleading. don't want to discriminate
0: between shells. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like the game is quite misleading. There's more to it than just crabs, but basically like it, it's like a fighting game and you can control each claw independently and what,
0: is one much larger than the other
1: um some anatomically correct some of them are there are many types of crabs you see there's like long arm crab and like small crab and like <laughs> coconut crab <laughs> there's your crab dreams will be fulfilled no matter what type of crab you prefer thank god um yeah so do not fret um, so you, you fight with your claws, but then obviously there's tons of weapons that in nature, the crab would use like a sword or a rocket launcher or like a plasma gun. And it's just, it this, just this looks. checks
0: out for sure, for sure. Right? Out. It, it's
1: basically half game, half nature documentary, um, but it just looks like ridiculous and like, like such a dumb, fun thing to play with your friends. And like it, I mean, I've sort of built it up as like, yeah. this, like ongoing. Would it be like a,
0: like a similar thing to like mount your friends or like one of those silly yeah yeah. I
1: I think it's one of those like there's that like two percent chance it gets like the rocket league actually turns out to have like a very competitive scene to it yeah um but probably it's just gonna be like some silly couch co-op fun and there's like you know story mode where you fight progressively like dumber stronger crabs but like I'm I was not expecting to see this at E3, and I was so excited and sent it to my friends and like, guys, it's coming! Like, <laughs> we're gonna play Fight Crab. We're gonna like have a night, reveal some drinks, and like set up like a proper tournament bracket. percent, hundred percent. Play some Fight Crab. So, if that
0: happens, I'm in.
1: Yeah, I say, I say, go look it up. It just, wow. you know, sometimes you just want some like mindless entertainment. So I agree completely. Fight Crab. Completely.
0: <laughs> well, my last game is Bug Snacks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kate just spat her water out for anyone asking. <laughs> very,
1: very, very nearly. That was a bad time to take a drink.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I, I just want to say, like, I have nothing against bug snacks. Like, people that are into that kind of thing, like, that's fine. It looks like it might be kind of fun, but like this is this thing is like exploding the internet in a yeah. way, just like just like um Untitled Goose Game before, like, right? It's just it's becoming like like a, a meme. That's too like much of a meme. Itself. Like it's doing too much. Anyway. Forget I said that. My last game, Yakuza: Like a Dragon. Um, now, so for those good. that know me, Yakuza. I've, I've really gotten into Yakuza the last couple of years. Like I played Yakuza Zero, and I mm-hmm. also played Judgment. I uh, really like the games. I, I think that they do a great job of world building and and like straddling the line between realism and like ridiculous parody comedy, like craziness.
1: Right. Kind of like Fight Crab.
0: Kind of like Fight Crab. Yeah, <laughs> and so like the I, I had to pick like my least favorite part of any yakuza game it probably would actually be the combat because at a certain point it just becomes like it doesn't matter really what skills you have unlocked you're pretty much just like hammering your buttons and and destroying guys right the reason i'm so excited for like a dragon is because it's a mainline game but they've, they've changed it. it is now a turn-based rpg mm-hmm. like for the combat so it's the same world that i i like love that these worlds that they create but instead I get my favorite type of of game along with it instead of a beat-em-up. So I really couldn't be more excited to play it. I know it's already out in Japan and I think it's been like very well received. So Mm -hmm. the second it comes here, I definitely like can't wait to play this. Maybe it's a bit cheating since it's already out in Japan, but (laughs) but, I mean, I haven't watched any gameplay. I don't want to spoil anything, but I've seen just like the trailers they've shown and it looks like a great meshing of like Yakuza into a completely different style of game, but it still works like perfectly based on what they're trying to do for the yeah, game as well. Yeah I
1: agree they they put out some actual like proper like in-depth mm-hmm. kind of like gameplay footage where they, they sort of like walked you through how the combat works as well and like if you didn't know anything about the Yakuza series like you wouldn't you d- necessarily yeah. believe that this isn't how they normally play.
0: Yeah exactly and I'm just so happy that it's getting the the mainline treatment as well it's mm-hmm. not like some weird spin off they're like we have enough confidence in this that we've done this right and it's going to turn out the way that our fans are expecting and they're to like name it like a, a full sequel to the series not just like a side story. Mm-hmm. And so that's my my last game there.
1: Okay, oh, awesome. Well, I mean, those are some good picks. I think we could have definitely all both added like 15 more, however many, yeah, but I
0: had a few like I cut my list down a bit. I had like shout. I had, I had like Halo Infinite on there. I've, I've been a while since I played a Halo game and and you know, whatever, but but uh, I mean take your pick there's so many games every day, yeah. every day we seem to hear about that i'm excited to yeah, play. yeah so. exactly
1: well you guys let us know either your top seven or top six picks like we did i guess technically well, seven uh, with the you bundling know, six but or seven six you or, seven, to or your, your top 30 whatever we'll read them all <laughs> <laughs> we
0: will too we'll, we'll shout them out on the show if you if you want to as well so yeah send us an email um of course our email address is circles and squares pod at gmail.com uh you can also get with us on twitter at c pod c a n d s pod remember to spell it all out can get in touch with us on there as well uh, we'd love to hear from you we'd love to answer any questions you had as well if you want to send anything like that in um, we're happy to do that on the show so do that um, we're on YouTube everywhere just find the links on our Twitter uh, get in touch thank you so much for enjoying the content and we'll see you again in two Mondays time to talk about more PlayStation the intro and outro music for circles and squares was produced by friend of the show Matthew Chan interlude music is from Scott Gretton of the free music archive Our channel art was created by at unreasonable on Twitter. And our brother Alex is the designer of the circles and squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.